Hello everyone, it's Friday the 18th of March and welcome to episode 97 of the Kite Podcast with me Ben Eagle and me Will Evans. With inflation, war in Ukraine and the rising cost of living, there are plenty of challenges facing households and businesses alike. In the UK, eyes will increasingly be on the Chancellor and the Bank of England to see how they steady the ship through potentially turbulent waters. Over the past few weeks on the show, we've been covering the milk market outlook, the feed market outlook and the general impact on costs of production. But today, we're going to take a business planning perspective and think about cash flows, lending and the potential banking response to the current crisis. To do this, we are joined by Edward Lott, who is a managing partner at Kite, and Neil Wilson, who is director of SAB Advisory Limited and holds the honour of being the very first guest on the Kite podcast nearly two years ago now. God, time flies. And back in the fold once again, fresh-faced from holiday, Speedo safely stowed back in the closet, is everybody's (laughs) favourite dairy market analyst, Chris Walkland. (laughs) Chris, we missed you. Over to you for the Milk Market Report. Where are you this week? Sorry, I'm just waiting for the applause to die down on farm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm bringing you my report from the stratosphere today because that's where everything seems to be at stratospheric levels, be they milk prices or costs. And how lucky we've got a former Scottish bank manager on the show to bring us all down to earth and kite Mr. Numbers. (laughs) So did you miss me on holiday? Of course you didn't. If I told you how much time I spent answering all my fan mail while I was away, instead of all enjoying my holidays, you'd be amazed. (laughs) Anyway, so what's been happening since I've been gone. Well, I think the big news is further warnings of major milk shortages from Arla and milk prices rising from a non-aligned processor on a standard litre basis to 40 pence for May and from a very unlikely source, uh, Freshways. I don't remember that firm ever leading the pack on milk prices and you can read into that what you will. I think the key things are that other processors will now need to match fresh ways and and its new uh, threshold. Uh, But I don't think it's got the money out of the market yet. It's uh, pretty tough going out there for all processors. Still, we've now got two warning customers of what will happen if they don't pay enough. But whether those customers believe it or not, I don't know. I'm afraid I'm still hearing stories from utterly stupid buyers who have ignored all of the warnings over the last few months and continue to ignore them. And some haven't even covered their quarter two requirements for butter and cheese. And that starts in two weeks. So elsewhere, the markets on the markets, the GDT got the jitters this week after a five auction positive run and fell for the first time this year. You see what happens when I go away and stop talking the market. (laughs) But it wasn't by much, 0.9%, so a pretty neutral dip and the commodities still convert into a bank manager pleasing farm gate milk price of around 47p. 
In Europe, well, the market has gone utterly bonkers. The Dutch butter quotation surged this week by 470 euros to 6,620 euros. And we've got to go back to 2018 to see a bigger weekly jump in the price. But it's not ending there. One trader is quoting a huge range uh, from 6,650 to 6,750 with expectations from some that 7,000 euros uh, is in sight. And skim powder has crossed 4,000 euros for the first time. So that combination of butter and powder again results in an ampi farm gate price similar to the GDT. In the, in the UK, I'm hearing cream is rising 237 to £2.40 a kilo. That sounds high, but I'm hearing prices on the continent equivalent to £2.70. And butter's about uh, 5,550 to 5,600 sterling. So butter is a better return than cream, and that will continue to lift the cream price up. On the futures, they're going up again, an average rise this week of 200 euros for butter to 6,666 euros. Skim powder up 102. And it doesn't stop there. Cheddar has jumped again. Um, I'd say the price now is 4,250 sterling to 4,350. And some traders say 4,500 uh, sterling is on the cards for mild. And that should easily result in a 40 pence plus milk price, even with uh, processing costs rising. Mozzarella isn't being left behind either. And that has increased again to 4,100 sterling in the UK. And I've heard a trader in Europe quoting higher than that. But unfortunately, that wasn't UK product. But I think there's a real shortage out there and uh, upward drivers in Mots as there is with cheddar. As for spot milk, that has been in the high 40 pence level for weeks. But everyone is so short on milk, I'm not really sure if anyone's letting any go. So the price is probably immaterial. So there you have it. It looks as if there's even more lolly coming your way, Mr. and Mrs. Farmer, on the back of all of this. As ever, though, with dairy farming, the art of the job is trying to catch some of it and nail it down before it flies away. <laughs> But that's what bank managers are for. They're good at catching money, especially other people's, usually before you do. <laughs> over now to our resident podcast banker-in-chief, And Mr. Edward, goodbye. Great segue in. Thank you, Chris. Edward, uh, let's start with you today. Welcome back to the show. Um, can we get your view just on, on the current situation generally? And I suppose any trends um, that you might be spotting as well? I mean, what are on-farm production costs looking like at the moment? And what costs are proving most significant on dairy farms? Uh, well, thanks, Ben. And uh, great to be on again. Um Uh, so yeah, life's been quite interesting the last uh, last few weeks, um, and uh, certainly been uh, crunching a lot of numbers over that um, uh, over that time. Um, 
I, I guess just to, just to set the scene a little bit, I've been involved in doing uh, cost production figures and, and looking at uh, um, dairy farm accounts as a sad soul for nearly 20 years. Um, and uh, it's if over that time we've you know we've seen um you know longer term trends but I, I guess the over the last sort of four or five years since 2016 17 we've seen a, a actually we actually have seen a, a, a gradual to begin with um level of inflation but obviously it's gone you know uh really to, to a different sort of level in the last um few weeks and and um you know now at unprecedented uh levels of of inflation across the board, you know, we're now seeing 35% inflation um, since the 2021 year. Um, it's the, the the background level of inflation was coming from uh, well, falling from Brexit and and seeing increases in uh, labour costs um, and some uptick in 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 fuel costs, etc. But the the acceleration has really come with the uh, outbreak of, of, of war in, in Ukraine, putting everything to a, to a different level. Um, obviously, we're, we're now seeing a, a, an energy crisis, possibly more akin to, to conditions we saw in um, the early 70s. I, I wasn't there, but uh, some people tell, tell me what that's what, what the conditions were. Um, but, you know, we're now seeing prices. Uh, last year, uh, cost of production was, we think, was somewhere around 32p. Um, and going forward to this year, we're, we're heading up to 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 forty pence a litre for uh, as a as a break even cost in in this current year. Okay. So, Edward, you, you mentioned that the current break even milk price, in your view, is around about the forty pence mark. Um, can you break that down for us and just sort of go into a little bit more detail on that? Yes. Well, it, it, yeah. Try, trying to sort of um, to sort of bottom out these numbers is not easy and, and, and we've, we've been running um, updates on this cost of production for um, you know, regularly now on a sort of quarterly basis but we're now I think we'll be doing this on, a, on an even more regular basis and uh, you know and it's a, it is a fast moving changing picture so you know what we're, uh, we're where we're sort of assuming cost to be at, at the moment could well change in in one to two months time and, and we'll obviously review again that current uh, forecast of, of cost moving to um, to 40p over the next um, over the next few months is really based on feed costs moving moving up by 60 to 70 pounds a ton uh, we've got fuel costs um, red diesel costs going up to um, you know into the um, you know well over um, one pound a litre so one pound 20 is around where, where we're currently forecasting it um, obviously crude oil prices are, are moving around a bit so um, that's uh, you know we'll have to, to have to track how that goes from now Fertiliser prices are obviously now up to you know between sort of nine hundred and a thousand pounds a ton. So we're building we're building that in. So it, it, there's and then and then on top of that, those are your sort of your feed, fuel, and fertiliser, which is the key things which are probably um, the first things which are driving out of uh, particularly out of the Ukraine crisis. Um, on top of the, the the sort of spike in gas prices we saw back in October, which initially raised, raised fertilizer, and now we're seeing you know this current crisis is, is driving it even further. But we're sitting that on top of uh, very strong inflation in labour costs, um, and then also what's coming through all those elements of fuel etc. are going to come through into contractors' costs. So you know they, they could be rising um, by uh, well into double digit inflation as well, and so it percolates down through all of the levels of. Of, of cost um, on farm and we're taking that into account but as I said it, it is a fast moving picture right now yeah exactly yeah. so based on that where do you think the break-even price could actually go um well as I said we're currently forecasting that at, at 40p or ju just above but 
um, you know, if we were to see a further acceleration of um, feed and fuel prices. And I think the feed one is quite interesting because there's a lot of um, interest going on at the moment in terms of actual supply. Um, and we're starting to hear some stories around force majeure being levelled, you know, with um, impacts on directly of getting a product on farm. Well, once you see that, then you can see spikes in prices which are out of line with the actual with the actual market. Um, and, uh, you know, that could push us up, um, you know, a few more pennies above you know, above 40p. I, I'm not going to put a number on it because, it, it, as I said, it's, it's just really just an unknown um, unknown picture. But, you know, it's we are in a you know highly volatile situation. Um, you know, nothing is this. Uh, um, this uh, you, you know, no figure that I could you know say wouldn't be the case. <laughs> come on, Very then, Forty's the new thirty. Then fifty must be the new forty. <laughs> oh come on, Becky! You know we're better than that to uh, put my neck on the line. But uh, I, th- I think we, we we this is you know I've as I said I've been doing this uh, these numbers for for a long time. This is totally outside of of my comfort zone and, and anybody else's you know we are in in just unprecedented times and uh uh it's you know on that hand it's it's, it's exciting trying to sort of get these numbers you know and, and understanding what's going on um but you know coming back to the farm level it's 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 scary for some people mm. in terms of trying to um uh to sort of get a heads around what's going on yeah absolutely and i mean on that farm level what about the impact of rising costs on cash flows how has it changed the situation for businesses well, it is a very, very variable picture. You know, obviously, I think it's it's dependent on on a little bit as to what you know. Some people who have planned forward, have got had some risk management um, things in place. You've been talking about that on recent podcasts with feeds, etc. Then, obviously, to some degree, some of those guys are insulated. Um, maybe you know, feed and fertilizer might be insulated, but fuel, you know, most people buy that on a on a monthly basis. That's you know, they're, they're exposed to that, and labour costs are you know, nobody's got insulation against um, all of this. Um, but I, what I keep, what I would say, and I know Chris has, has highlighted this, is that costs have been rising um, effectively faster than than than, than prices uh, and, and milk prices. I mean, so effectively that's that's creating this this issue where costs are rising at such a rate, milk prices have been struggling to keep up, um, and that that's where the, the the cash flow pressure starts to you know starts to build. And I've been seeing people this week who who haven't probably got as much cover on feed as they as they should have, or or, or in hindsight um, wish they'd got. You know, and they're going to see, you know, they're seeing costs at, you know, 40p now um, and milk price, it, you know, as Chris has said, it's 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 going there, um, but it might not get there for another two, two, three months. So that's, you know, that's already putting that cash flow pressure, you know, into businesses. Yeah. What about cash flow for processes, Chris? Well, I think there's an interesting one here because a couple of years ago, a container of uh cheese say 24 ton container would have cost about say 65 grand and companies would have been set up with say 80 grand's worth of credit insurance now though that same container is over 100 grand and for butter it's 135 grand so if a company hasn't got the right credit insurance or sufficient credit insurance that means that they can't afford to take on huge containers or full containers so they have to do part loads. If you do part loads with diesel costs and transport costs yeah. as they are, the shipping costs uh, goes up. Now, I'm not an expert on, on any of this credit insurance stuff. Perhaps Neil is. I don't, I don't know. But it was a comment that was made yesterday. And again, it's another driver for uh, cost increases. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, Neil, welcome back to the show. Good to see you again. How are banks viewing the situation at the moment in terms of managing existing facilities and planning potential future facilities? Yeah, hello everyone, hello Will, and uh, thanks for welcoming me back, especially Chris with open arms as usual, so thank you very much. <laughs> Pointing out that I'm a tight Scottish former banker. Uh, <laughs> so so how, how, are, how are banks viewing the situation? Well, look, I think it's uh, like we've talked about, like Edward talked about, everybody's talked about this morning and is feeling at the moment, it is, is going to be uncertainty in the banks as well. Everything you've just talked about, just try to get a grip on what's happening on both sides of the market um, and trying to understand that. Um, and, and effectively, it will come down to how they manage risk. And I think from for a bank perspective, what they'll be looking at in terms of that risk is not necessarily, I think when, when you talk about risk in the bank, everybody immediately goes to, oh, what security do they have? Um, you know, last thing ultimately a bank wants to do is go and rely on that security. So what other things will they be looking at? They'll be looking at the track record of the business that's there already, um, looking at what management decisions have been made in the past, particularly uh, things that might have happened in the daily downturn sort of six, seven years ago. That'll, that'll start to give a bit of a guide as to how management can start to, to manage their way, deal with this situation. Um, look, the bottom line is costs are costs and, and, and things need to be bought. But actually, what you would tend to find, I think, is that those uh, forward-looking managers have probably done exactly what um, Edward was probably covered. As much of the risk as they can do without overstretching themselves. So the bigger impacts I think we'll see just now at bank level is going to be that cash flow element, you know, fertilizer suddenly at three times the price it was. So so if if a if a farm business budgeted with kite last year and maybe stuck four hundred pounds a ton, for example, into the budget, suddenly if they haven't bought enough forward, they're having to find, you know, nine hundred or a thousand pounds a ton. That's just and depending on how they pay it, of course, but, but ultimately that's just an immediate, oh, there's a cash pressure. Where's that going to take me against my overdraft? So I suspect there's quite a few phone calls going into bank managers just now wanting to talk about how we're going to pay for this stuff. How's that? How we're going to get there? Uh, and, and look, that's, that's, that should be running the mill for banks, but what they will want, I think the bank managers will want quite a lot of information around about that. I think one of the challenges coming through is exactly what Edward talked about there when he was going through the, the cost of production idea, is how do we put assumptions into budgets at the moment? You know, what, what, what do we assume? Do we assume that diesel is going to be two quid, going to come back? But, you know, there's lots of that uncertainty still out there. I think from a bank manager perspective, Will, um, you know, again, this is going to, you know, I will have bank managers throwing bricks at me after I'm finished here, no doubt. But there has been a there has been a pretty big brain drain out of the banks, the main the main banks over the last sort of three to four years. Um, I don't think anybody will have experienced this type of situation before, but I think some of us have been through a dairy crisis a few years ago, a pig crisis before that, you know, where we kind of got into the mode, what happens when there's a downturn, what sort of things do we need to do with experience from that? I'm a bit concerned at the moment that there are maybe quite a lot of bank managers out there who, who haven't got that experience. So, you know, uh, I think for, 
for Kite to be trying to keep those bankers up to date with a lot of these things, you know, feeding that information into them about what's happening in the market. I'm sure they should all be listening to this podcast, and if they aren't, they should be. But, you know, that, so that type <laughs> of stuff is just making sure they're informed because, you know, just some of the stuff Chris said this morning, if, if that misses, if that misses a bank manager who's half their portfolio is dairy clients, that they go in, they go into this stuff uninformed, and I think that's a that's a challenge for us all. So I would say to to a farmer phone in the bank just now is be as informed as you can because there's no guarantee the bank manager is going to be. Make sure you you provide as much information as possible, and um, because you want to provide that convincing story to give them some comfort that actually, although it's a risky time your business is worthy of support. Mm. Yeah, thanks, Neil. Um, Edward, business owners and managers, as, as Neil has, has said, will be making budgets at the moment, and um, it's difficult, as I can, I can, I can personally attest. What, what, what should we be putting in there? What, what kind of figures should we be putting in these budgets? Million dollar yes. question. <laughs> yeah, well, I have referred it to trying to pin a jelly to the wall. You know, mm. it, it, it's it's uh, uh, not 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 an easy process. But I, I think the well, the first thing is is you know it's the classic sort of having a budget actually to have something which is you know to to actually you know have a, some sort of um, idea of what the business is doing. I agree. Putting in assumptions at the moment to say the next twelve months costs are going to be X is is not easy. The first thing to do is have a have a budget and then be updating it to sort of understand what the implications are going to be. But I think that's the that's the the, the first um, point. And just to build on um, on uh, Neil's point, I think is that we are seeing people who are you know have we've bought loads of fertilizer maybe only the last couple of you know last two or three months at six hundred plus you know and having to pay for those, but most of a lot of people have only bought fertilizer for the first for the first application thinking well that's that's 20 grand a load so i'll just have you know have a load for that but they haven't got anything booked for this second and third cuts um and we're seeing that you know a lot and i'm you know we're really worried that's going to have an impact um on production and quality of of forage when you look you know when you look at that um in relation to you know the feed cost next winter you know that might be a you know a, a real false economy, but that, but it's that tension on cash which is which is holding people back. And now they think, "Got nine hundred quid a ton, you know what's um, you know can I afford it?" And and uh, you know that is you know definitely holding people back. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of things that are going to play out in terms of milk price over the next month, six weeks, um, and I think that will uh, I suspect that will start to really indicate you know the direction of travel on um, on on. The input side of all the you know the, sorry the milk price and the milk value element of your uh, element of the budget um but i think you've got to work on the you know what's what your current contract you know get your current contracts for feed work you know put put those into into your budget work on um you know current values for for diesel and um and probably also need to be starting to speak to your contractors about what's you know how they're going to manage um, the costs this uh this summer you know we're hearing summer who are saying well you know they've got a base price you know loosely based on last year and then doing a fuel surcharge and things so you know i think there's going to be different different scenarios in different parts of the country but definitely need to be starting to build that picture now if for one thing is to try and bring some semblance of of um management over it and to avoid making knee-jerk reactions um and getting you know this anxiety level which is out there based on things which are happening around the world anyway but you know, to try and bring that down, bring it back to calm reality, and, and putting some numbers on it, and you know, and, and trying to take a, a, a cool approach to something which is not easy. But I think that's, you know, it's important for everybody to do that. Yeah, Chris, did you Chris, want to come in there? 
Yeah, one thing I would say is to farmers is be be reasonable with your price expectations. I was at a farmer meeting this week and there were some that was thinking, oh, yeah, the price is going to go to 50p. Easy. Uh, no problem. Well, it was a struggle to get it over 35p. There's only one non-aligned now at 40p and they haven't got the money out of the market. So it's going to be a real wrestle to get to 40p. As the higher the prices go, the stronger the glass ceiling is for the retailers and the customers and the harder it is for the processors to smash through that glass the glass ceiling. So be realistic with your price expectations. Okay. What's happened to you while you've been away? Oh. Look at oh, that sensible, balanced <laughs> reply. <laughs> can, I also, can I also comment on, on what Neil said about the bank managers? Cool. Yeah. Well, only if it's nice. Are they? You're saying that they're not as experienced and knowledgeable as they were before then? In terms yeah, of agriculture I mean, and dairy, yeah, I, 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 there's a sweeping generalisation. Oh, there's still some great bank managers out there, but there, there is certainly, uh, in my experience, uh, been a shift in terms of uh, the the skill and experience level um, of of bankers generally. You know, you just get that. So people retire, don't they? And the real experience people who have been over the hurdles retire, and then that's a change. But actually. Uh, you know, people like me who are, who are probably slightly younger than that have, have decided to go and do other things, have moved into other areas, and um, and you know, I think you you look um, you look at the the skill levels I think across a lot of these teams now, and you know, I think that probably there certainly feels to me less of a, an agricultural slant in a lot of the agricultural bank management teams, and again, that's going to sound horrendously harsh on them. I mean, they're there trying to do try to do the best job they can and, and you know, loads of them will be doing a really good job. But I think this is, it's okay when things are benign. But when yeah, that's... Stuff, when stuff isn't benign, Chris, that's when that that becomes a problem. And 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 that's where, that's the situation we are in at the moment. Mm. Yeah. You know, everything is being tipped on its head at pace, at unpredictable levels and unpredictable timescales. Yeah. You know, and, and if we've got, if you've got uh, banks and bankers out there that that are slightly behind the curve and are still looking at, you know, 30 years across the production model and all of those kind of things, that's, that's where you start to get trouble because they start sort of benchmarking and say, well, crikey, this business is sort of budgeting, sent a budget in here and, and it's shown a COP of 40. How, how can we support that? So, you know, again, it, it, I think it's as much for, for some of our, the professionals in the industry to make sure that we just get information shoveled into banks. Yeah, but the problem is with the banks that the banks are not prepared to pay for the information that they need to right. understand the industry. Right. In term, if there was a ranking of tight buggers in the industry, bankers would be pretty near the top. Yeah, that's, that's a very fair point, Chris. You and I have discussed that before. Mm. <laughs> ranking well, I hope of, there's some bank managers listening. Ranking of tight buggers in the industry. <laughs> Give them both barrels, Chris. Is that going to make the edit? Friends <laughs> <laughs> and influencing people by Chris Walkman. 
Looking forward to uh, Kite producing the <laughs> ranking of tight buggers within the industry report. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Um, Edward, um, what do you think is the sentiment of farmers at the moment when it comes to capital expenditure and expansion plans? Yeah, I think that's a, a really interesting. Uh, you know, we, we I'm out seeing farmers on you know, most days um, with clients, and and I think the um, I think in general that the, the, the sentiment and the and the confidence to it to make big investments is just not there. You know, mm. I think that um, I've got a couple of people who are who are finishing off some projects um, with you know in terms of new cow capacity, um, but in general, I don't think we're we're seeing a lot of it. Um, I think there's well, for one thing, you know, capital costs of, of of steel and everything else have gone through, uh, have gone up massively, um, and it's uh, and so that's that's you know tempering people. The actual supply of materials has been difficult, so some of those projects have got um, have got delayed. But I think there's it's currently there's an anxiety level about well, what's happening to the marketplace? What's happening to uh, what's happening to costs? What systems are going to be you know going to work in this in this new world? This new price level work that we're at, you know, and I think that there is a um, that's a court that's building in caution into to what's happening. I think people are, are sort of very much sort of thinking, well, let's just wait and see see what happens. You know how this is going to play out. We've got you know potentially war in Europe. That's that's quite a um, you know major anxiety in it in itself. Um, so I would say, and then you've got the wider um, environmental c- compliance issues that you, which you talked about before, um, which I don't necessarily think are, are are there directly at the moment, but it is definitely starting to feature in people's de- decision making. You know, the rules for water and other things which are which are cutting in are mainly people that, that I've got people who are looking at saying, well, I've got to do these, uh, I've got to make these improvements to make sure um, I've got the license to produce, and, and I've got the uh, this um, slurry facilities, etc. That in you know and muck handling stuff that I, I need to have there but putting that ahead of additional capacity which is you know which, which is understandable that's the right th- the right thing to do but I think that's um it, it it raises other questions for the future in terms of the direction of travel for the for the industry we know there's a great um outlook for the UK industry but uh, we might see um expansion and investment on those lines you know held back for some time yeah Neil, what about the longer term impact? I mean, does the current situation impact on the position of banks when it comes to long term investment planning? I mean, we've already seen an interest rate rise of 0.25 this week to 0.75 and revised predictions on inflation rates. Um, how's this all going to play out? So, just let's start on the capital expenditure piece that Edward was talking about there. You know, I think what you tend to find at times like this is that the uh, the asks of a bank on capital expenditure do start to dissipate quite quickly, and it certainly mm-hmm. becomes all about cash flow. Any any of those sort of capex long term investment projects will do really tend to be driven around to get costs down or achieve something on a far on the farm that's going to bring a, a much improved efficiency, or as Edward said, something that's regulatory has to be done for a particular reason. Um, what, what I would always ask as a banker in those situations is to the client and the advisor is show me the show me where the improvement is. So, uh, working on the basis that you have a good track record and, and with trust, and even even at a really difficult time, there's, there's, as long as there's good proof that that it will work for the business, I, I don't think you'll find banks holding off going. Oh, we're definitely not lending to this sector. 
but generally speaking, what you find is the demand for those sort of capital uh, expenditure loans does drop well. So your balance to be had there, I think if, if farmers are looking at CapEx, they've really got to prove it to themselves and be convinced before they go to the bank and try and convince them. Um, I think when you look at when you start to look at inflation and interest rate rises, um, you know we saw we saw a, a, a rise here this week, uh, as you said, 25 basis points up to 0.75 percent, which is as high as we've been for ooh, 13 years or so. Mm. Still at historic lows. Uh, you saw the Federal Reserve in the US raise their interest rates earlier. Um, the ECB on the continent they didn't do anything. They're still stuck at zero. But again everybody's talking about this higher inflation push. Um, we've seen that before. You know, so, uh, a good few years ago, we did see inflation push up well over the target rate for the bank, and they, they didn't do much in terms of interest rates. And I suppose people will be asking this time, oh, what's different? Look at all the other risks that are going on. Why would you put pressure on businesses and households by raising interest rates just now? I think there's a big, there's a one big factor here that's different is that the labour market, Ed talked about it earlier, is super strong at the moment. It, you know, it's a really strong market. Whereas in the past, the Bank of England have looked through short, what they call short-term inflation shocks because the labour market was weak. People were in jobs. There's high levels of employment. We might see uh, pay rises because of that. And, and that means there's more money in people's pockets. So can they cope with 8%, 9%, inflation? Possibly. So the Bank of England used this as their bond tool to try and take the heat out of the market. Um, the vote yesterday was 8 to 1 in favour of a rise. So it's, it, it was pretty strong. So I think we probably just need to really be thinking about seeing... I think it'll be gradual. I would be surprised if you take big steps in interest rate rises, but I, you, you can see that there is a sort of bit of momentum in the direction of travel appearing. There, there is a lot happening in the world at the moment, though, Well, yeah. So you always need to just sort of to take a view that they might step back and go, look, there is so much happening just now. We'll, we'll take a rest. But it, it does feel as if they're maybe going to try and just keep edging rates up. Sure. Oh, at what point does inflation become hyperinflation? Uh, well, um, when I bought my fertilizer a couple of weeks ago, uh, well, it felt like I was in the middle of. The <laughs> and, uh, as, yeah. as I think most other farmers would think, yeah. they were in the middle of hyperinflation. Yeah. I don't feel like it. It's, it's kind of not. I mean, I like I'm not an economist, but the general view of hyperinflation is sort of month after month after month of sort of 50% plus price rises. Now, some people will argue, well, I've just seen a couple of months of that. Yeah, but it, it's, it's kind of got to be sustained. And mm. for those as old okay. as me, I know I know, I know, know we're talking a lot about Russia at the moment, but, you know, when, when I was we, I remember the news and Russians were going to buy a loaf of bread with a barrel load of money, you know, and all yes. that. And literally, that's, that's the type of stuff um, I... I you know, I know some people will be feeling the real pain of this at a certain um, uh, at a certain societal level, but generally speaking, we're not there, and I and I don't think I don't think we'll get there. Although, nonetheless, well, you know, five and ten percent a month is painful for any business, never mind fifty. So, it it probably feels to a lot of businesses like they're in it, and, and you know, 
I think they will feel free to call it that, but I think in technical terms, we're not, we're not there and we're not, I would see it highly unlikely whether we get there. Okay. I was just going to comment on that, Neil, your point about you know, the impact of, of, of interest rates. You know, we know from our data that we that about one, a 1% increase in rates would, for the average farm would, would add about 0.3p a litre. You know, interest rates, you know, that's on, a, on an average um, a debt around sort of £2,500 a cow. But the... I think it's not the much, so much that you know the interest rate point is is, is obviously adding adding some costs. I think it is that context of the wider the wider economy. Um, now the positive thing is that generally if if, if we're going to see higher inflation, higher interest rates to try and you know cool that down, that's going to be the sort of the strategy of the Bank of England. That could well push us towards a you know a, you know we, we could see a, some sort of recession or something like that. You know an economic you know impact of 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 this. Now that's quite a negative picture for the for the wider um, economy. Um, the, the positive thing is that generally farmers um, and 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 food you know acts, does relatively well through that period. You know in terms of because um, food is the sort of the, the the you know relatively insulated from from um, that type of impact. So I I, I do think that. Um, you know, interest rates at one end, but I think people are looking at the wider uh, impact on the on the on the economy is, uh, and looking forward as to what all these things are going to mean to the economy is 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 probably the bigger point. The only thing I was going to say earlier about and Edward would be better placed, but you you were saying Neil about the lending to um, you know banks will still view capex spend, you know, looking for the return. Well, the challenge. I think at the moment, but Edward's far more qualified than I is that actually capex spend is going to be on a lot of compliance items, which re- it's almost a license to trade rather than, yeah. you know, p- positive ROI. You know, and, and that's where the challenge is going to they they have to be invested in because you have to make those investments to to continue trading. But actually, the returns on them are okay with fertilizer price if you're investing in slurry but the, the you know you probably could argue you're playing the long game but they're, they're not going to be in the same way that you would traditionally you would invest in cow accommodation for example and you would you know generate more cash in the business yeah i think the view i always took when i was at the bank and that type of thing Becky, was that uh, you, you kind of looked at the track record of the business um, you know, and it's going to be difficult right now. Yet to, to to see surplus cash in any business is going to be really difficult at the moment, especially if you're going to kind of have this money because I have to do it rather than it's going to bring something significant to my business. But I think if you have a if you have a business who has who has performed well over the years, good track record in trading, and you trust the management, you would probably still go with it, albeit heightens the risk both to the client and to uh, and to the bank. The critical element in that, I think, is uh, you know the client has to be convinced that it's the right thing for them to do. It could be their watershed moment. You know, is is this is this the bit that's going to push me too far now as a business, and and what alternatives might I have? Who who knows? I, I suspect not many people get the appetite to do much at the moment. Neil, what about the situation in other sectors in agriculture? How do dairy businesses compare at the moment in terms of the sentiment of agricultural bank managers? Uh, okay, I think uh, we've actually seen the pig sector go through a real dire time over the last few months. Uh, yep. So, so and, and that becomes quite regionalised in, in the UK, really. So there'll be a few bank managers having to deal with some really sizable problems in that sector. So, 
you know, like move, moving on from that, that that's that's been really tough. And those businesses again, you know, what is it, seventy percent of the cost of a of putting a pig out's feed, all of that. So, you know, that is still going to be some real stress. It'll be interesting to see how that market changes. And and again, banks will have to keep their eye on that. Um, so so at the moment, dairy businesses actually might still look pretty good compared to you know pig sector uh, poultry. I'm sure is going to be under pressure with feed prices and yes. things like that too. Um, beef finishers have been again feed costs really under pressure. I was speaking to uh, somebody yesterday who was telling me, you know, they, I would I, I would put them in the pretty efficient category of this. They're needing four pounds seventy dead to break even. Five five pounds to think about doing anything, and their uh, you know anything in terms of investment, they're probably down about four ten four fifteen at the moment in that side of things. Uh, and then look, the the arable guys, uh, you know, fertilizer, fuel, availability of fuel. Uh, I've got a friend who contracts over in Lincolnshire. Um, only got only got sixty percent of the fuel he ordered. Uh, in March, I mean, you know, that's that, yeah. that's that's getting catastrophic for some businesses. Not just his, but the fact then he's got to go to forty percent of his customer base and say, I- "I'm not going to be able to do your work this month mm. because I haven't actually got the fuel to do it." So, you know, there are there are lots of challenges across the board, and I, and I think this is going to be one of the huge issues for banks, well, because. In the past, we've had one sector's had a really tough time. Dairy a few years ago, pigs before that. You know, actually now what we're going to see is across the board on, yes. on all farms. So it's going to be a real, bank managers are going to be busy, very busy for the foreseeable future with this. Mm. You know, um, how dairy ranks in there. Uh, I suspect Boyer, uh, the the the. the the milk price might be a bit closer to the cost of production on a dairy than it is for some other sectors at the moment. I'm not saying that's going to continue, but but at the moment, so there might be more acute issues in, in other sectors right now. Yeah. And again, well, that's a sweeping generalisation because I know every individual business has their challenges, but you know, mm-hmm. I think where we're we're going to be, and that's that's a massive challenge for the banking sector to to get to grips with. For sure. Um, Edward, finally, um, last word for you. For anyone making a budget at the moment, uh, and we're, we're going to play this back in a, in a month's time and see if you're right, <laughs> what, what, what should they be putting in there in terms of milk price? Uh, yeah, okay. Well, yeah, nice one to finish with. Um, the And perhaps Chris could um, answer this as well, but I think there's going to be a lot to play out in the next month, six weeks. I think the the, the lack of milk that's coming through is, is obviously going to have an, an impact on uh, on, on prices and a lot of companies now are looking at their pricing for the for the um, next few months in order to make sure they've got milk supply or looking at how they're going to have milk supply later in the later in the year. As I said, we, our cost of production forecast shows that we're you know we're um, heading over the next few months to to forty p. I, I think that the, yeah the indication this week from one processor going processor going to forty p. But I think that's an indication of the wider of the market and the and the, and the tightness for supply. So. I think people need to probably just. I, I would suggest people just hold a little bit and, and see what's going to happen in the next few, few weeks. I think there'll be a lot of a lot of announcements, um, but I think we're going to be in you know in the high thirties, over forties for some for some people, um, you know, in the next you know within the next few months. Um, and 
you know, and as I said earlier, keep keep those budgets under under review because it's yeah. uh, you know it, it is a fast changing picture. The key thing, and this is different to the pig sector, is that just there isn't the supply. It, you know, fundamentally, it's a, I think it's a supply and demand issue. There's a demand there which is growing, which you've talked about before, and and supply in the around the world and and in the UK is uh, um, is is at zero to negative growth. So you, you you've fundamentally got a supply shortage which helps to drive prices. In a minus, I don't know the pig in other sectors very well, but my understanding is that in those sectors, certainly, you know, there's been enough supply, and so, um, you know, that's that makes it harder to to um, to, to to drive prices. I heard Ali Kappa on the on Radio Four this morning talking about apples and and hops, and you know, trying to get you know how much her costs are increasing. But mm-hmm. unless you're in that, unless you've got that supply driver, you, you know, that's you're you're always going to be um, on the back foot, um, and it's. Uh, that's that's the you know it comes back the, the fundamentals are really the background to this you know c- cost has one impact because a c- high cost can drive down supply can't it but uh, it, it's um that's the that's the that's the market factor which is driving this for sure okay well that's all we have time for today but a very big thank you to our guests edward lott neil wilson and chris walkland yes thank you very much for listening we'll see you next week but for now it's goodbye from all of us here did you see the Northern Lights? Yeah, we saw them uh, two or three times. Yeah, wow, wow. Like yeah, dog they're... in, weren't you? It's like going. I, I, look, look, I mean, let me just clarify that. I didn't go dog. <laughs> I, was gonna, I wasn't going to say anything then, Becky. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> That is this that, being dug again. By the way, Becky, that is recorded. Yeah, we need that on the <laughs> and, outtakes. And, and April, April Falls is coming up. Oh. You've got to leave. You've got. To, you've got to pull that one out somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> did you go dog sledding? Yeah, we did. Yeah. <laughs>